welcome to another episode of Small Talk, Small Government with Bill and Deb. Hey, Bill. Hello. Hello there. This is episode uh, 14, and um, during this episode, we're going to be talking about election issues, and we will cover some of the most talked about or widely known issues from the 2020 election that are still talked about today. And also some uh, a, a bit of evidence that we've uncovered that folks are talking about with um, you know some issues that that even are occurring with the current election. This is an episode that I've been excited to do because, from my perspective, I've been really interested in um, you know some of the information that comes out and the 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 supporting data that shows how some anomalies could have occurred. Some of the experts that have spoken about how such a thing like this would happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the evidence that we've we've seen from uh, uh, that that our election in 2020 kind of ran the same parallels as other corrupt nations that use the same uh, service or or products. It's it's really fascinating, and to me, it, it's fascinating no matter what what side of the political spectrum you identify most with. And, you know, I just I have found it really difficult to move on without these things being addressed. And to me, it feels like if our um, you know, elected officials, if people in power that have the influence and, and position to fix these problems, if they do not see these problems or don't, uh, you know, uh, don't want to prioritize fixing them, I feel really concerned as a citizen, it, it's scary to think that there's nobody who is capable of making a change and interested in making a change. Where are they? And this is such a fundamental component of our country and our society and our culture that we have to address these issues and, and look into them when we can. And it's interesting because you know, one of the one of the so we, we know of a couple of different uh, you know people that have been making documentaries, um, you know, passionate patriots who've used their. Uh, you know, resources, whether it be their um, their status or their money, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they might might have to help uncover these things. And and one particular um, documentary producer that I was listening to recently was mentioning something that you know I think you and I both know, which is that we've become a society that just doesn't question things. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think that in our lifetimes things have just been so easy and okay that we've just been lulled into quite a false sense of security, and and we don't question. And a lot of times, um, you know, especially during the election process of 2020, for instance, people would come forward and say, "Well, you know, it seemed like we were doing something a little bit different or out of normal standard procedure," but. I didn't want to question it because, you know, the orders were coming from on high or whatever. Mm -hmm, And it's the same mm -hmm. thing with us as citizens. We're thinking, oh, no, that's nuts. That couldn't have happened. I mean, I've talked about this issue with people and then they'll say, so you're telling me that you think that they faked millions and millions of votes. And, you know, and people will go to the most extreme and then tell you about how, oh, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. But it, yeah. it really isn't when you look into it and you understand how it could have happened. So anyway, let's let's just frame at least at the beginning here. What was the in, the election interference that was discussed, or you know that we know about from last year? To me, there are three top, very obvious facts of of election interference that happened in 2020, and 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 they're true. So I mean, to me, it it goes without saying. These are facts. This is not me just giving my opinion. Bill, mm. if this is my opinion, please stop me. Okay. Number one, 
states changed voter laws without going through their proper processes in order to allow mass mail-in ballots because of COVID. You know, the, the, the big story was people can't be standing in line to vote in person on voting day. We must make mass mail-in balloting a thing. Yeah. And so they pushed and pushed for that and, you know, went ahead and got that done. And, and you know, that's another thing. We've talked about it on, on other podcasts before, but you have to be careful about when the government declares a state of emergency. You have yes. no idea yes. what the heck the government is going to decide to do or change because they've made that declaration and they can just do it. So, you know, th- th- that's mm-hmm. that's not good. And and Democrats are absolutely, they're known for their, you know, ha-ha, tongue-in-cheek, funny-funny, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. They love yeah, yeah. crises. They're like coattail riders of crises, you know? I mean, like anything that they can use to just, you know, bowl over the whole thing. That's what they do. So that's we don't what know when here. these emergencies are going to end either because they're, they're open-ended or, right. or if they're, if they have a definite time, then it's, well, we have to renew this every 30 days. And guess what? Every 30 days, somebody's going to come in and renew it. Yeah. It, 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 and we've seen already the, the diff, the things that they've finagled with state of emergency, you know, changes in border policy because of it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this it's, you know, next is the climate change emergency. What does that mean? I can't drive my car. You're going to shut down gas stations. Who knows what it's going to be? But yeah. anyway, so that's number one, changing the voter laws. Number two, the FBI suppressed information. Mm-hmm. We know that because now it has come out that the FBI themselves went to uh Facebook, for instance, you know, that guy was just on, on, on Joe Rogan. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and providing his, was interviewed on Joe Rogan. Yeah. That was it. And I'm he sure said, there's he like, others. Yeah. yeah. And so the FBI came to us and they said, you know, Hey, this story about Hunter's laptop looks an awful lot like uh, Russian disinformation. So we're just going to go ahead and assume that it is Russian disinformation. And uh, I suggest that you, you know, not let that get out. And so of course, you know, Facebook's like, Oh yes, that's you know, critical to our <laughs> democracy. I'll get right on that. You know, so but but the reality is that, you know, when the FBI made that declaration uh, and, and, and when the FBI told that to Facebook, this is disinformation, there already had been several solidifying proving factors that had come out that did connect that laptop to Hunter, period. It was his. Yeah, that was known. And and so they made it, oh, well, you know, it sounds like it's about on the same lines. It might be this. And so they, you know, basically it was a lie. The FBI lied, told the media, told, you know, Facebook not to let that story out. And that is one that, that Democrat voters have said, had I known that, had I known about Hunter's dealings, I would have understood or at least speculated a bit more about Joe Biden and his potential compromised position, I, I would have changed my vote if somebody had given me that information. Yeah, yeah. So, therefore, that's number two, how they did interfere with the election. Mm-hmm. Number three would be the media spreading the lies and spreading what what we call Trump derangement syndrome. Ah, yeah, you they know, were very good at that. Yes. And there are still, to this day, people that, you know, when I talk to about these matters, they will hone in on one particular thing um, and let, let, let's think about what it would be. Uh, uh, hmm. I can think of like hmm. top two freak out complaints, um, you know, that people hold on to with with Donald Trump. One, 
the very fine people comment. Of course, of course. Always into, well, what about that time that he said that uh, that Nazis were very fine people? Well, that's not actually what he said. It's just that the media is showing you a clip that makes it appear that way, and they're continuing to push the lie, and you're continuing to believe the lie. So, you know, that's, that's one. And then the other one was when he was um, he was making fun of somebody, what, what, whether they had like a c- cerebral palsy or something, somebody in a wheelchair, and he's like, mm-hmm. m- you know, mocking some physical movement of the guy. Yes, I agree. Not in good taste. <laughs> not the best thing to do. You know, I, I completely agree. But, you know, to to like hammer away, hammer away, hammer away at that, but yep. then have no n- nothing to say when... You know, Joe Biden makes fun of Indians being the people who work at, at in Seven yeah, Eleven. Um, yeah. You know, his wife comparing Spanish people to tacos. The way he says that you know black people are all the same; they all think the same; they do the same. Same thing. I mean, that's the way they do with everybody. All gay oh, people yeah. think the same. All black people think the same. You know, it's it's like that. That to me is so weirdly insulting to all people. I don't <laughs> yeah. understand why they, they don't see that more of an issue for the things that come out of this guy's mouth that they always want to just, Oh, well, you know, he's just, ha ha. That's Joe. You know, it's, it's really frustrating the, the double standard there. Um, but you know, the other interesting thing about this is that with the FBI being involved in suppressing information and that kind of thing, Um, There was recently a whistleblower who told Project Veritas about a new uh, FBI laws that target election crime. And Mm -hmm. so as you can imagine, the election crimes they claim uh, to be on the lookout for are things like disinformation, misinformation. Basically, what you and I are doing right now is something that, you know, the FBI could be knocking on the door about. Uh, and, and, and that's what they're doing. They're just using their position and their heavy, strong arm, um, you know, to scare people into believing what, what they want you to believe. So now, the interesting thing about that pamphlet is they also uh, remind the agents that there's a First and Fourth Amendment and have a brief description of it. So I thought that was kind of interesting that you, what you'd think would be a core piece of information that the agents would need to know, they had to be reminded about in that pamphlet. <laughs> yes. By the way... By Freedom the way, of speech is a is a part of the First <laughs> Amendment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny too. Yeah, like I said, it's it's. I'm very grateful for people who will come forward and um, you know try to try to get the story out. So this year, the the documentary Two Thousand Mules came out, and um, it was done by Dinesh D'Souza, who I think is a really gifted. Uh, documentarian is that the word Mm -hmm. okay i think so well if it isn't it is now yes (laughs) so it was a really great uh documentary that was done by using cell phone geolocation trackers to show that mules and they refer to a mule as a person whose job it is as people who are hired to gather ballots Mm -hmm. and uh basically submit them Mm-hmm. So there are rules that you're supposed to only be able to um, submit a ballot for somebody that's like in your household or, um, you know, related to you or that you are the caregiver of. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, 2000 mules pretty much blew that out of the water, showing like small handfuls of the same people over and over and over again, showing up at various drop boxes, you know, throughout mm-hmm. different states. Mm-hmm. So clearly these people are doing a job. 
You know, so yeah. somehow these people are collecting these ballots, submitting them. They, they've obviously been targeted to do this. Um, so they, they would show them at different um, using like, uh, so there's the cell phone geolocation tracker, but then also many ballots, uh, every ballot box is supposed to have a camera. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- That's not always happening to my understanding, but everyone is supposed to have one. So naturally, Which you know, you, sense, you get yeah, that security yeah. camera footage and you can see people showing up with rubber gloves on so that their fingerprints aren't on the ballots and that happened because um i i want to say that there was a a a reason there was some kind of speculation at some point about like whether it be fingerprints on a ballot or something like that and then all of a sudden they started using the gloves i think so i think it was uh maybe even maybe even someone was caught or they found fingerprints or something like that and then the next day uh, yeah all of a sudden everybody all of the people you see them on video now they're all wearing gloves so it's like it's just you know it's it's Really coincidence, sickness, but uh, yeah, right. I don't know. So in 2000 Mules, um, it was a great documentary. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. the point of it to show that that mules were uh, were were found, selected, paid to do this job. They stuffed ballot boxes. The outcome was, you know, what what we know that it it was. So there has at least been one arrest out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, there was an Arizona mayor who was uh, recently arrested and uh, convicted of ballot harvesting here recently, and she was the mayor of, of San Luis, which is a, a border town, small little border town, and she's accused of illegally collecting four early voting ballots in 2020 primary election, uh, which might not sound like a lot, but um, apparently uh, they're saying that uh, you know, this is a small town and these things have been happening for years and everybody knew about it and they all knew about this new law that was passed in 2016 that makes it illegal to possess uh, someone else's mail-in ballots unless, like you were saying earlier, unless um, Mm -hmm. that person is a family member or a housemate or a caregiver of the voter. So you have to have some, you know, direct connection to them. You can't just go out and and uh, and collect all these ballots. And the prosecutors allege that she was she was running this operation that used her status in the community uh, to persuade voters to let her collect and then even sometimes fill out their ballots. Then the uh, prosecutors dropped those charges and uh, pursued the ballot harvesting uh, charge. And she Which got 30 really... days in jail for a felony. For a felony. And it, it is actually a felony to do yeah. that. It's a felony. And, and, you know, what's really disappointing about the fact that they did away with that one particular charge of actually marking somebody's ballot, that was another thing that was actually caught on video. And it'll be in the in the epis in the uh, the link that we provide as a source. They did show that uh, in, in a video she was seen marking a ballot mm-hmm. and yet they didn't decide to keep that charge on her. So, yeah, you know, I don't know what the I don't know what the what the re- rationale of that was, but um, I guess they figured they could get her they could get well, her definitely on the ballot harvesting, and I don't know. Yeah, maybe they felt knows? there wasn't enough evidence there on video or whatever. I, mean, I don't you know. know. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they could have just said, "Well, who knows? She might have been drawn a smiley face, not necessarily choosing a candidate." You know? Yeah, it could have been but, a, uh, just one of these. Uh, um, I don't know, plea bargains or whatever. Yeah. I guess maybe. And who see, knows? my think my 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 thought process is also that sometimes when these like easy, low hanging fruit or small players will be um, all of a sudden called out. Sometimes I think it's a way of, um, you know, the establishment distracting you or making you think, well, yeah, sure, we're holding people accountable. See, we just held this one lady accountable. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But, but really, is it, you know, uh, there's, there's a, a much, much bigger issue. And that's another thing that, you know, um, 
in order to continue to smear those of us who will, uh, you know, who have not given up on this and have not said, oh, yeah, you're right. Everything was on the up and up. We've been wrong. You're right. We'll stop. You know, that this is their way of being like, what more do you people want? We've arrested these small potatoes people. And, and you know what? Just stop complaining already because clearly this isn't enough of a big deal to have swung the election. So, right. you know. Don't if bother it's not enough, anymore. If, if it doesn't swing the election, then it's not a big deal, even though it is a big deal because it's somebody cheating. And, and, and you, you know, it's, it's the same way that, like, let's say I'm a, uh, a nefarious student. If I can cheat this way, what, how can I take it another step? I mean, like, if you're a cheater, you're like a serial cheater, you're yeah, always yeah, looking yeah. for new ways to cheat. So any yeah. little way, and, and all these little ways add up, you know, so, like, none of it's okay not even 1% is okay, and it does stink. Like you just said, oh, this is a small town. It's been happening for years. All these little things that just, they're not okay. And now right. we should be grateful that these are being brought to our light, and we can say, this is not okay. Again, no matter whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever you are, it's not okay. It is not okay. And and on that point of, um, you know, whether or not sometimes they'll arrest the small potatoes, I did also read about uh, the CEO of a company called Koenig Corp., this guy hmm. was arrested on October 4th, so just a, a few weeks ago, for stealing and storing personal data of L.A. County election workers on servers in China. Uh, Oddly isn't that enough, something? this is L.A. County, so the guy that's going after him is Gascon. Now, we all know Gascon sure doesn't care about election uh, integrity. We, we <laughs> talked about him last time, right? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care about that. And and the Democrats don't care about it largely, you know. So yeah. the, the the very fact that they're bringing this up, is this somebody that can be a small guy to fall on a sword? Is it a cover-up? Is it a distraction so that they can then go on to do larger, bigger, worse things than simply yeah. storing election worker data on a server? You know, so, th th and, and again, that gives the other side the ability to say, See, crazy right-wingers, we're doing what we're supposed to do. You guys are nuts. You're seeing things that aren't there, you know. Uh, the other, so 2,000 Mules is, like, by far the, um, you know, the poster child of, of documentaries for the, the election in, uh, issues and interference that occurred. But there yeah. have been a couple of others that have come out. Um, one of them I heard about just a couple months ago um, was is called Selection Code, and it is done by, um, it's a husband and wife duo uh, backed by a massive team of people, um, but they were the, the main creative contributors, I guess. Selection Code follows the story of, of the events of the election that unfolded in Mesa County, Colorado. There was a, a woman named Tina Peters who was the local election official. And now this is not somebody who's, this is not a right winger. This is not some, you know, crazed Trumper. Yeah. Um, she was a good a woman with integrity, believed that she ran a gold star election, you know, mm -hmm, did everything mm -hmm. right. So when, when things started coming out, she's like, well, this, this can't be because I know I did the right job. I know I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so she started to kind of dig into things as she began to even kind of like defend the election of her own county, which mm -hmm. she was very comfortable with knowing, you know, I did the right thing as an election official myself. Right, right. But then when the, when the, um, the Secretary of State and, and, and when the state started giving her guidance on next steps in the process. Um, mm -hmm. um, well, there was a, uh, there was basically an upgrade that needed to happen 
uh, to the system and they started to give her guidance on that or, or said they were giving her guidance on that. And I, I know yeah, that one of the things that she had a big question about was that they're saying, you know, this upgrade needs to happen. Here's the process that you'll follow to do it. And I think at one point it might have said something about like uh, deleting log files or something. And she's like, well, I can't delete log files. And see, I, I'll just let me interject this as well. What fascinates me about this topic is that it's data driven. And for mm -hmm. me being a person in IT, that topic speaks to me. So I understand these things when she's talking about that, like, you know, well, I can't get rid of log files. And they're like, oh, well, that's that's not important. That's not election files. That 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 data doesn't matter. You don't need to um, uh, protect that data. And she didn't, that didn't sit right with her. And she even asked also like, well, you know, what, what are the, what are the transparency policies here? Is the public allowed to be aware of this activity? Mm -hmm. You know, can anybody come and view the activity? And, and it just, they started to get a little nervous that Tina Peters was asking too many questions. The log files are important because without them, you don't have an audit trail. If an algorithm is programmed to do something like, I don't know, rerun a bunch recount a bunch, whatever it might be, if it, if it kicks off that process again, you want a log file to tell you that that occurred. And so they were basically saying, no, that's not important. Don't, don't keep that data. That particular documentary, it's out there. It can be found. It's, it's called Selection Code. Check it out if you're interested. Again, like by far, 2000 Mules is, is, you know, a very well done, um, documentary and really the i think the, the more well-known one but selection code does follow this particular example very very well and i know i watched an interview of the couple that did the selection code and what's even more interesting than what the documentary does show are some of the other amazing things that they uncovered throughout it and and i think bill mm -hmm. you and i have even have have found the same thing that once you start looking into this topic, it can get so huge and there are so many tentacles and pieces of it. You know, they, they mm -hmm. had to pare it down to, well, let's just concentrate on this one thing that we can show. Yeah. The, this, this leads to all kinds of rabbit holes. But um, one of the most interesting things that came out uh, uh, that I thought was funny about the selection code, not for not funny, but interesting. They, they went back and uncovered this, 1988 Dan Rather interview um, where Howard Strauss said, you know, you could swing a third of the vote by paying off one election official. Mm -hmm. And that's a bold statement. But again, that's the kind of thing where like Tina Peters says, wait a minute, you know, but there's somebody else in that hierarchy that's like, ah, Tina's asking questions, you know, so you <laughs> can tell that there are people who are involved in this making it happen. So along the same lines of realizing you can make such a, a big impact with just a couple of um, bad actors involved in a process, you know, basically bad actors put at the right point, uh, it, it makes me think also back to the symposium. It was called a cyber symposium. It was like a truth forum or something that uh, mm -hmm. Mike Lindell hosted on his um, platform last year in August. It was a three-day event. There were a couple of speakers within it that really piqued my interest, but the one by far that was the most interesting to me, we'll provide a link to it so that you can watch his actual presentation during that symposium. But this guy, um, he was a professor and a statistician 
and had been doing a lot of work throughout the year 2020 doing uh, kind of like working with politicians and leaders uh, modeling COVID. So he was doing mm-hmm. some data modeling for some, you know, big current stuff going on. And that's that's how he found himself in the world of politics. Ah, um, interesting. Yeah. But and, and, and that's another interesting thing about this, that some of the people who have like shown up out of the woodwork to have some real meaningful contribution to this uh, is just it makes you feel good. It kind of gives you goosebumps to know that there are certain people that just have the right skills and are in the right mm-hmm. place at the right time. Yeah. Some people call, you know, that's coincidence, divine events, you know, whatever it might be. But in this guy was discussing that um, the way you steal an election or, or um, you know, um, guarantee the outcome mm-hmm. is that you've got your before actions, your during actions, and your after actions. He was showing data from the U.S. Census Bureau to show how you can use census information and voter registration rolls to basically create more voters, then Mm. make sure that those voters that you've created vote the way you want them to. You have not made up people. You've not created people. You've used actual people but they weren't really registered to vote. Uh, You made that happen. So basically he says, here's what you do. Before the election, someone decides what the outcome will be. This Mm -hmm. is the outcome we want. Then you do some projections to figure out what might actually happen. So Mm -hmm. here's the outcome we want. Here are the projections that show what we believe will happen naturally. And, um, by knowing what you think will happen compared to the outcome you want to happen, then you know how to program your algorithms to support what you want to occur. Yeah. Um, so they inflated the registration databases to create what they referred to as kind of like a credit line of phantom voters. So basically by finding the difference in actual human beings and those who are registered if there's a gap in here, here are people who are not registered, then they can add them to the registration database anyway, thus inflating the number of registered voters that they have, and then having the opportunity to modify or you know those votes to what they wanted to be. Does this make sense to you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it'll. I can't wait to put the link in there because when you see the guy with the graphs, it you know you'll love it. But so then they printed out a bunch of ballots. So like we're going to print a bunch of ballots that support these people that we have now created. So then during mm-hmm. the election, your algorithms that are constantly checking what's happening. Is it what we said? What needs to adjust in order to bring it back into what we said? Yeah. And so this is this is the world of IT. This is the world of, of, of data. Um, so basically, they adjust if, 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 if progress is going along and it's not looking like it's going to come up the way they want it to, then they make adjustments to bring it back. Um, th- this way they can regulate county outcomes. Ah, interesting. Then after, so now the election's over, then after it, you pair the last minute voter IDs with the phantom votes, do some cleanup. Remove the phantom votes so that now they're real people. They have an ID, uh, yeah. you know, so th- it's very interesting. And so he was explaining and he was showing that the eligible to vote 
versus registered to vote, election officials in the county that he was looking into, which in this case was Delaware County, Pennsylvania, our favorite Pennsylvania, he was saying that even those election officials believed that they had about a 60% registration rate. So of all the people eligible to vote, you believe you've got about 60%. Well, weren't they surprised when they found that it was actually 97%? Hmm. That's that's virtually uh, impossibly high. And even Indeed. Judicial Watch has figured this out, that they, they will sue counties to try to get to try to get the voter rolls cleaned up um, mm-hmm. if they find you know those kind of impossibly high uh, voter uh, mm-hmm. registration rates. So it's interesting because you know not only did they have that impossibly high registration rate, then he talked about something this will this will be taking you back to your school days, the correlation <laughs> coefficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was explaining that in, in this case of the people, uh, like ninety nine percent of them voted. What do you know? You have almost uh, almost everybody is registered and almost everybody did vote. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay, Again, that's but- something Judicial Watch <laughs> usually sues uh, counties for because something something is going on. It's impossibly high. Yes. So even and, and it's really it's it just go it's it's so telling because here you've got the actual county officials know their county. You know, and they're like, this doesn't seem right. And then so somebody somewhere is doing this. Same thing with that was a lot of the 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 um, the the Tina Peters. Uh, She she it, it was the same thing. She's like, I am local. I live here. I know something's wrong and people start yeah. peeling back the onion and, you know, and it just peels and peels. But it was funny because the way the guy was explaining it, he says the correlation coefficient, whenever you have that near one, that ain't natural. And yeah. he kept putting yeah. it up there and showing it. It just reminded me of my old statistics teachers, but he's like, you know, that's <laughs> just not natural. When you have, uh, you know, the point of the correlation coefficient is that it tells the strength of the relationship between variables. And when that strength between variables is almost bam, complete and 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 whole 100%, then that means that there is something happening that is that is falsely creating that occurrence. Uh, so yeah. I just found that to be an incredibly informative and insightful presentation that he gave that I, I simply couldn't argue. And, and that's the thing about it. You can't argue math. And right. that's what I love about it. So that was one shenanigan that we already know occurred <laughs> um, in Delaware County uh, last year. And it's interesting, or I'm sorry, not last year, but in 2020. And interestingly enough, a shenanigan that I found recently, just this year, they um, mailed out all of the, the mail-in and absentee ballots on October 8th, but then they also announced that the logic and accuracy testing procedures wouldn't take place until October 11th. So, yep. therefore, they sent the ballots out unverified. And then they say, well, we'll get around to verifying it. Yeah, part of this was was some conflicting um, guidance from the state. Um, you know, they sent out 240,000 mail-in ballots across the state, I think, and without verifying the IDs before they sent them out. And the state guidance says, quote, before sending the ballot to the applicant, the County Board of Elections confirms the qualifications of the applicant by verifying the proof of identification. Now, Jonathan Marks, who's a Deputy Secretary for Elections and Commissions in, in the state, uh, issued contradictory guidance at about that same time that says the ballots must be verified before being counted. 
the counties right now are directed to set aside the ballots until the IDs are verified, but uh, that puts a large burden on the counties due to the staffing and time to try to get all these ballots and then confirm everything. Uh, so right now, um, uh, that that's where it's, that's where it's been left. Now this this goes back to a uh, uh, 2019 audit of the state's election process that found many issues. So we're not necessarily surprised that this is happening. So it's probably a case of incompetence rather than nefarious actions. Uh, at least at least that's my opinion on it. But still, uh, incompetence and nefarious actions in you know an election are uh, neither one are good. Yeah, speaking of the county of Delaware, Pennsylvania, the state of Delaware, uh, in Delaware, uh, the court struck down a law allowing expanded mail-in uh, voting and election day voter registration. Uh, and, and they said it violates the state's constitution. Um, they said the, the legislature impermissibly expanded the definition of absentee voting, which is allowed only in certain situations, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you know, just with just with collecting ballots um, it has to have a certain, you know, narrowly defined condition in which you can you can uh, take somebody's or collect somebody's ballot and take it in form. There's also a narrowly defined situation in which you can vote by mail. They're saying that 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 the uh, the state legislature uh, violated the state constitution by expanding that, and also same thing with um, with the same day voter registration uh, that that violated some provisions in the state constitution as well. So these are good things. These are wins, you know. For yes. the, this is this is, and so it it just makes you wonder though. Had this been two years ago under the state of emergency and everything else, mm-hmm. would this have been something that would have just been allowed? It probably you know, would have. Whereas now, and, and in then, a normal situation, it's being struck down. Yeah, and all these things prevent the shenanigans that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Yay, and Delaware did something right. Delaware did something right. That's excellent. Thank you. Yes, and uh, also. Well, there's a whole bunch of these that that, uh, that have been happening here recently. Um, an Illinois court rejected a uh, Democrat's attempt to intervene in a lawsuit bought by Republicans and some other locals over a law allowing mail-in ballots to be received and counted for 14 days after the election day. Um, the judge said that it's uh, that all this is time-sensitive lawsuit, uh, so there's no time to consider the Democrat's position. Um, and the law says that mail-in ballots don't have to be postmarked, which is which is interesting. So you can just send them in any time, and and as long as they're received fourteen days within fourteen days, they can be counted. And according to previous um, voting patterns, that could be four point four percent of the vote. Um, and there's been no ruling on this yet, but uh, it's it's at least uh, interesting that that the Democrats were um, were not allowed to uh, to intervene in this in this lawsuit. Um, oh, and back to uh, back to Arizona as well. Um, uh, big ruling there. A federal judge says an Arizona group can continue monitoring the ballot drop boxes after a restraining order and injunction was sought by um, Arizona Alliance for Retired Americans and Voto Latino. Like you were saying earlier, the the all these drop boxes should be should be secured with uh, video cameras and mm-hmm. and all like that. Like we found out in Two Thousand Mules, but. Uh, but there's a group out there called Clean Elections USA, which is headed by Melody Jennings, and they decided to monitor these Dropbox locations in person, hmm. uh, which is, you know, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good idea. 
Uh, that was these, one of the things that was interesting on 2000 Mules. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. people would be like in line to use a ballot box. And some of the, you know, regular people in line like you and me are like looking up ahead and some guy will be just like putting in a ballot, putting in a ballot, putting in a, like a, a lot of the <laughs> yeah. 2000 Mules stuff happened in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that, yeah. it was definitely the dead of the night. But it, I couldn't believe my eyes when I was seeing some of it that people are shoving these ballots in and the regular people that are standing there just with their one ballot are like... You can see the what looks the? on their faces like, this doesn't seem right. So that's the thing. There was a time that people were curious. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to ask, hey, is this hey, really on the up and up? The yeah, more you yeah. tell me I'm not allowed to ask that, the more I feel like I'm on to something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not rocket science. I'm not a rocket scientist. <laughs> Some people might find me stupid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but something about that, if I saw that, I'd be like, wait a minute. Something's going on it's, here. It's, of course, I'm like waiting you... for a Scooby-Doo moment that like you just like yank off thousands of masks and the guy, you know, <laughs> looks like everybody he's voting for. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see who you really are. Yeah. So this this group, um, uh, although it would have been cool to have a Scooby-Doo moment like that, but uh, but they were they were just um, kind of hanging around the, uh, the, the drop boxes there at a respectable distance. Sometimes they'd... Uh, uh, they'd monitor or videotape these locations. Um, now they were wearing; they were uh, reportedly armed and wearing tactical gear. Um, and the lawsuit claims that's voter intimidation, even though they stay a respectable distance away. They follow the law. All the emails and communication that comes out from Melody Jennings says follow the law and you know and keep your distance and everything. They don't approach the voters. Mm-hmm. Um, now some voters were were covering up their license plates before they pulled up to the drop box. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, again, like, so this movie comes out that shows how the same people are constantly, you know, like the same little handful of people are really, you know, uh, performing the most bad. And then Mm -hmm. they try and find little ways to make themselves less identifiable. You know, I mean, again, it's kind of suspicious. It's okay to ask. (laughs) And if it's not okay to ask, that must be because the people in power realize they've been caught. Yeah. That's why it's yep. not okay to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, and fortunately the judge in this in this case found that there's no evidence that the group was posting voters information or being intimidated or or anything else and they and he said that their their actions fall under the first amendment protections and mm-hmm. and so they were they were allowed to continue with that fortunately. Yeah. Um and then all the way up in in Michigan an official was charged with uh tampering with voting equipment. And he was accused of inserting a flash drive into a computer used to administer the elections. Now, the computer has sensitive info on it, uh, such as confidential voter registration info. So you don't want anything um, anything going on with that. I would imagine that this is one of those computers like you hear, hear about in, in, uh, in Selection Code or mm-hmm. 2000 Mules where... Uh, where it's not hooked up to the internet or anything like that. It's just it's just a computer sitting there um, mm-hmm. without any way to connect to anything. That's nuts. I mean, I really this hope was... that the Michigan thing turns out well. It's, it's, it's so amazing. I heard that in the debate that happened recently there between uh, good old Whitmer and um, it's Tudor Dixon that's um, mm-hmm. against her for governor. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's funny, it, Gretchen Whitmer stood up and just lied and said that Michigan schools were only closed for three months. It's, it's shocking the way they're coming out. With, and, and, and Tudor Dixon is like, what are you talking about? There were schools that were still closed as of January 2022. 
Yeah, it was closed I mean, for three months just, and then three more months crazy. and then another three months. And yeah, you got to be kidding months. me. Just yeah. lying right to your face. It's really nuts, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what's happening up there in Michigan. But anyway, that guy, um, they said it didn't impact the outcome of the elections, but mm-hmm. uh, still the uh, the whole thing, it it, um, it undermines the confidence. You know, he's he stuck a USB flash yeah. drive in there. Who knows what he was doing? Uh, so he's been charged with that, with uh, falsifying election records and using a computer to commit a crime. In order to prevent some of these shenanigans as well, there's uh, some reports that federal or state money for election administration is not reaching the counties or local areas. And some of these uh, local officials don't even know about the funding or they've requested it and it's just been mired in red tape all this time. So they can't even get the money to try to uh, try to do their job and prevent some of these shenanigans. And we tell you about all this just to let you know that there's things to watch out for here on this upcoming election day. Uh, not to not to scare or undermine any confidence or anything, but uh, but yeah, just uh, be on the lookout for things. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, there was um, you know, here's something that you could be on the lookout for. What about another quick appalling situation that happened in 2020 when? Uh, virtually 100% of nursing home residents at a few different facilities voted for Joe Biden. Yeah, all of it this, yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's yeah. not okay either. You know, that's basically like preying on people. And, you know, that's, that's, it's interesting. Like that one really blows my mind because I spend mm-hmm. a pretty good bit of time in nursing homes. I can tell you that I, I've never, my grandmother's been in three now in the last year. And I, I've never been in one that I, I have seen 100% of the residents capable of such a thing. I, I mean, yeah. I, I can tell you that she isn't, but I can, I'm sure that if, if somebody walked in and said, hey, Betty, here's your ballot, you know, she'd sign it or do whatever it is that they expect her to do. <laughs> right. Anyway. And, and, and I've been in, uh, you know, nursing homes. All my grandparents were in nursing homes. And, and so I spent a fair amount of time in, in there as well. And, and yeah, 100% of the people are not capable of voting uh, at all or making a decision. They're sometimes even knowing who they are. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, that, that's 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 really suspicious. A yeah, and knowing some of again. these more suspicious things, like these totally egregious things, to your point, at least you know people are on the lookout more now that we've seen what happened in 2020. Um, I know that in Arizona, uh, David Frisk, the election director, mm-hmm. resigned recently um, over an issue that uh, they had a ballot shortage. Hmm, a ballot shortage. Meaning, like uh, they they just. Somehow uh, people showed up to vote and they didn't have their ballots. Um, And so they they say that it only affected about 750 of 50,000, which, you know, you can say that's just a small drop in the bucket. It couldn't possibly have affected anything. But you have to get back to the point of, you know, there being just the letter of the law and, you know, following the same process and, and because of the confidence that's been diminished in the public, you know, since the last election, that stuff's important. But anyway, it's interesting and it's, it's at least refreshing to see that in some of these cases, when these things go wrong, people are either resigning over mm-hmm. it or they're being charged, you know, even for small things. It is it's somewhat encouraging. So if we take a trip down memory lane back to the 2020 election, previously, I've never stayed up at night to watch an election uh, evening. The first time I ever did it was 2016. I found it very exciting. And then, of course, you know, so I was I wanted to do it again. So I'm sitting there watching this. I I cannot believe it when they did not come out with the result, you know, that night. And I'm just sitting there and then and then I'm waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're going to stop now. And I'm like, what? 
You know, I mean, it, it just seems so. We're going to stop. Everything's over with. You know, we'll, we'll get back to you tomorrow. And I'm just like, you know, the, the, can't fathom how, how can this be? What's going on? And then I think you know we can all remember that when we woke up in the morning, we found the most interesting looking graph ever, where all of a sudden just this massive spike up to Joe Biden beep just happened in the night. Yeah, and, and again, while well, we're know, all my, sleeping, right? And and my issue with this is I simply can't understand. It's so odd, and there were so many shenanigans. We've talked about a couple. We're going to talk about some more. So many weird things happened, and we're not allowed to ask about it. And I just think that's the way, you know, they they just keep hammering away at anybody who says anything about it. They call him an election denier, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would would appreciate it if we could look into some of this stuff, even if it means nothing and changes nothing. I still think that needs to happen because that's crazy. Stopping counting votes in the middle of the night. Nuts. Then you have all these other weird situations about those counts where, you know, we recalled lots of stories about both political parties not being able to have Mm -hmm. adequate representation while they were doing the counting, not allowing people close enough uh, uh, visibility to to really assess what's going on. You know, those kinds of little things that let's not forget about the pipe that burst, quote unquote, burst in Atlanta that caused them to stop counting the ballots you know, oh, there's been a pipe burst. Everybody's got to get out. That was yeah, false. Yeah. That was a lie. That was it was found to be a lie. And then they just, you know, resume counting again. And, you know, and ballots just appear. So all of this, you know, happened. And it, it, that's suspicious enough. And here I'm thinking from from November when that occurred all the way until um, January when uh, the, the inauguration happened. Then what do you know? A month later. By February 4th, 2021, Molly Ball writes this piece in Time magazine um, called The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved, Saved the 2020 Election. So I want to read just a little bit uh, out of this because, you know, what the article says, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll include it in the notes, but basically they go into detail showing how they created the environment where um, the media, social media, corporations, etc., would all mm-hmm. come together to stonewall Trump and to continue telling only this narrative. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, the fact that that really did happen, and they're very proud of it, they, they believe that this is the right thing to do to fortify elections. They think that this is the right way to manage uh, and govern a country and a people, not by way of, um, you know, really letting votes be heard and, you know, t- mm. to be governing by the will of the people. So they, they created this outcome. They, they just had to yep. get Trump out. And, and, you know, and it's, it's disappointing because they, they keep bringing it up and it's, they just don't see that exactly what they're doing is what they accuse the conservative side of doing. It, it's, it's really mm-hmm. mind-blowing. But it, it, this is the interesting thing. So let me start it out. It says... A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. Nation was braced mm. for chaos. Liberal groups had vowed to take to the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll yeah. before Election Day, 75% of Americans voiced concerns about violence. I mean, it was, a, it was a, it, you know, you're following a very violent summer. I think there was a lot of concern about violence. Anyhow, oh, yeah, it says, definitely. For sure. It's, and here we go to continue. It says, instead... An eerie quiet descended 
As President Trump refused to concede, the response was not mass action, but crickets. When media Hmm. organizations called the race for Joe Biden on November 7th, jubilation broke out instead as people thronged cities across the U.S. to celebrate the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. A second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempt to reverse the result. And here's where you have their their pride about it. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. So, you know, that's the article that she wrote. And basically, the, you know, the entire thing talks about the way there were, you know, so many handshakes between, um, you know, businesses, unions, media groups, um, you know, social media, technology uh, giants. Mm-hmm. So they they decided this. Listen, we got to get this guy out. We are going to work together to um, prop up Joe Biden, the, the Democratic candidate Despite mm-hmm. the fact that he's not going to really run a robust campaign, we're going to kind of keep him hidden. But yeah. you guys are going to carry water for us. And, um, you know, we're getting this guy out of here. We're going to hide any story that that is bad for Biden. Um, yeah, we're going to yeah. keep on pumping the rhetoric that, you know, Trump is a violent maniac. You know, keep wedging, you know, dividing the people. And so, you know, this was decided and that you know, anybody that donates to those campaigns is going to be outed. Anybody yeah, yeah. that does, you know, basically it, it's so interesting th- 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 that this has come about in our own free nation. So it, the, the Washington Times then followed on and wrote a little bit about um, uh, that particular article that Molly Ball wrote. And I, I mm-hmm. want to read this one bit about um, out of it again. This is interesting because this is the, this is the way the actual people who were involved in this effort describe what did happen from their yeah. own words. Quote, the participants, the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told, even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream. A well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information, Ms. Ball wrote. They were not rigging the election, they were fortifying it, and they believe the public needs to understand the system's fragility in order to ensure that democracy in America endures. I mean, you know, that bothers me because the, the, the and this is where you get to the differences between um, uh, modern day Democrats and, and Republicans. They mm-hmm. really believe that they are flat out correct, morally superior and right. And whatever it takes to get to the outcome they want is fair game. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they're they're so convinced that this is the only way to to save people and make sure democracy endures, and it, it just blows my mind because it's so wrong. Yeah, and and even Dan Bongino was talking about this the other day, and he said that uh, that every liar actually really wants to tell the truth, and this is this is how they're uh, they're coming out. They're mm-hmm. they're 
they're demanding the attention and saying, hey, this is this is how we did it. We really so want to tell you how we did it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I bet they couldn't wait for inauguration yeah. to be done. Like, I can't wait to release this article and show everybody what we did. Yeah. You know, clap, clap, clap. Again, what's 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 odd about the fact that so many people still are um, terribly resistant to opening their eyes and seeing this is is again that they wrote about it and they told you this is what they did. They yeah. tell you all the time that, you know, no matter what orange man bad, you know, it, like they're telling you they're doing this. So believe it. You know, same thing with mm-hmm. the, the whole Great Reset controversy. And you know, is that really a thing or not? Well, I mean, the people who push it have written books about how they're bringing it about. And yeah. we're seeing it come about. So I think it's true. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. you know, this is another thing that we'll put the, you know, these, these, this information is out there for you. It really did happen. So well, let's open our eyes to it so we can hopefully collectively come together and make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, it's, and, and, and I hate to say that it, I, I've been living in fear these last couple of years because I've, I feel like they've got a, a blueprint for it now. You know, I was yeah. waiting for them to shut us down again, push the mail and vote again. You know, I, I've just assumed it like that now that they have the blueprint to win, you know, th- there could never be another opposing party in power again. That's the way these, um, you know, totalitarian type of regimes like to work things. So at this point, we are um, probably by the time we release this episode, we're only going to be a couple of days away from uh, uh, election day. So what give us a quick rundown of some of the races currently? Where we stand, again, um, I've took some info from Real Real Clear Politics, and I forgot to mention last time, the percentages do not consider oversampling of Democrats, which uh, uh, usually happens on a lot of these polls. Oversampling, and that's usually so does that a, mean like, does that mean selecting Democrats to speak to more than Republicans? Oversampling, right. does that mean, or does it go, does it mean coming to the same group over and over? It means talking to more Democrats and Republicans, basically. And so, so basically the selection pool from the beginning is, is skewed. Right. Okay. Uh, usually the polls would skew slightly more toward, uh, toward Democrats because of that. And it's usually just a few points. Yeah. And so again, you know, what this really is, is it, it, it's another form, in my opinion, of the ma- media manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, so just like from the onset, the, the, the media, the, the idea always wants to be to tell you that the progressives, the Democrats, the, you know, they're, they're always in front, always in front, always in yep. front. If you are a conservative, you are left behind. Everybody's moving on. This is the this is what everybody wants now. Don't right. you see? But in reality, <laughs> it's yeah. usually about two points or so, two or three points below that. And sometimes on Real Clear Politics, if they have that info, they will... Uh, they'll put up the polls and any graphs and everything, and then below that they'll have um, they'll have an adjusted graph to take into account the two or three points that uh, that they believe have been uh, skewed because of Democrat oversampling in in these races, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And right now, about eight million people have voted early. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be quite a few more here in the run up to the election, and then I don't know about you, Deb, but I plan on actually going in and casting my ballot in person on exactly. election day. Absolutely, yeah, and that that's the other thing that, of course, when when you know that eight million people have voted early, you know they always that always skews that's always to the right, right? I'm sorry, right, to the right. left. Yeah, exactly. And so, and sometimes uh, some jurisdictions will release not the votes, not the um, 
the polling totals or anything, but they'll they'll release the party affiliations of of who's voted, uh, mm-hmm. but not always. There's not a lot of not a lot too of uh, not a lot of jurisdictions that will do that. Mm-hmm. And usually, um, early voting skews Democrat, and day of voting skews Republican. Yeah. Uh, so it could be that that if you see one of those polls that says that that uh, oh it's uh, you know two thirds Democrat have have voted already and mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily assume that the Democrat has won it's just that that significantly more Democrats have voted early than yeah. Republicans and in uh, let's see in Pennsylvania Arizona Georgia and Oregon um, not much has changed since last time the Republicans are still closing the gap or or leading. The Pennsylvania debate was just a bloodbath. Uh, mm-hmm. That was just that was horrible. Uh, that was that was painful to watch. Actually, um, I just saw some clips and just couldn't couldn't watch. Uh, and and any what was interesting it. is that then I don't know. You, I'm sure you saw the um, the leaked audio of Chuck Schumer talking to Joe Biden about you know the state uh, yeah. of things, you know status of different <laughs> uh, you know toss up elections or whatever where we are. And Schumer said specifically to Biden, um, you know the the debate in Pennsylvania. Didn't hurt us too bad. Uh, and so, of course, of course like, it didn't. The fact that he would say that, like, first of all, like, wow. But also, it just, it, it, it really goes to show, to me, that's evidence that they don't want to debate. Like, they know they don't really have anything that they can stand on. They're, they're oh, trying exactly. so hard to avoid these debates. Again, you know, we, we could have said that at the top of the episode with one of the <laughs> other top election interference shenanigans from 2020. Screwing with the debates. I mean, you yep. know, the way the moderators were chosen to be, you know, they were totally, um, you know, Trump haters, you know, in a couple of different instances there. I mean, they, they even they the just, one for Fox they, News. Right. Oh, he was horrible. I hate that guy. Chris Wallace can, I mean, he, I hope, I, I wish he would never work again. He disgusts me. But, you know, well, it's, I, it's, I can't he's stand on that this. track. I, I love the failure that I'm watching him have. You know, yes, Chris Wallace, everybody's on to your bullshit. That's why you're not going to have a job anymore. Good. You know, but um, anyway, so like the, the, that right there. So, you know, I, I hope that people are starting to see how the Democrats really do want to su- only exist in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. When they are not in that, they're very uncomfortable. They can't actually defend a lot of their radical ideas and oh, bad yeah. policies and, you know, the, the results of them. And so it's just clearly, again, like if you're an American citizen with a little, uh, you know, an appetite for curiosity, a little common sense acumen, you're starting to see, wow. These people don't want their ideas um, discussed openly. They don't want to be. Oh. They don't want to debate their positions. Why? Oh, yeah. Why well, might that a, be? <laughs> that's a, that's exactly what's happening here in in Arizona. Carrie uh, Lake is is still leading and likely going to be governor, but her opponent uh, just won't debate. And they keep asking her about it, and she says, "Well, I'm just doing great on the on the campaign trail and talking to the mm-hmm. media and all like that." And Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, let, let's not forget that, like, when when Carrie Lake is governor, I, I cannot wait to see what momentum we end up being able to get behind really looking at that state and their 2020 election, because, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I yeah, mean, that, that's a lot something. of the reason that we're, we're trying to do this now to, you know, expose the mess, clean up the mess. Yeah, exactly. And I'm hoping that, that uh, at least some of that comes out here in, in Arizona and other yeah. locations. Yeah, because when wasn't um, Arizona the first swing state called? It was. It was. And it was called by Fox News. We remember that, Fox. I remember Again, that. Again, like, you know, I say that because I don't want people who listen to us assuming, well, Bill and Deb just sit around watching Fox News all day and they just regurgitate <laughs> stuff. It, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, yeah. We've said before, we're aware that Fox is part of the problem. We're not. <laughs> yes, 
interestingly enough, I was looking into Oklahoma, which you don't normally hear much about, but that's the only race where the Republican has been steadily decreasing the lead over the past few months. Usually it's gone the other way where, where a Republican in a race that has a chance to win, even the closer it gets to being tied, uh, they seem to gain momentum. Uh, this is the one where the, um, uh, the Republican has been steadily decreasing the lead over the past few months, um, and it's now a toss-up. It used to be pretty safe Republican. Now it's a toss-up. So it's gone from it's it's gone that far in just a couple of months. One really interesting thing. Uh, so in uh, for New York governor Kathy Hochul, uh, the Democratic course uh, versus mm-hmm. Lee Zeldin. Real clear politics says that uh, Hochul is up seven, uh, but the race has been closing from her being up twelve a month ago. So it's 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 getting mm-hmm. it's getting pretty close. Good. By it's nice no to means know that is, the people are listening to the other side. Yeah. You know that that they're having an opportunity to hear the other side. And I know the people in New York are uh, you know pretty tired of this, and we talked oh, well, about sure. that a little bit last last episode too. Yeah, definitely. So good for them for, you know, recognizing yeah. that and being willing to make a change from what they've been used to, you know? Right. Make a change. So there's a very slim possible chance, very slim, that Zeldin will win the, the governorship. Um, New York last voted for a Republican president in 1984, and the last Republican govern, governor was Pataki in 1995 to 2006. But going back over 100 years, uh, you can see that it's pretty evenly split between Republicans and Democrat governors. So New York is not guaranteed a Democrat governor, but it's it lately been just more intensely Democrat. And the Democrats are supremely confident that uh, Hochul will win. They say that there's more Democrat voters in the state than Republicans, of course, and uh, she has more funds. She has the support of unions and elected officials. Mm-hmm. And they're saying all these uh, all these factors that are preventing a runaway race are beyond her control. Um, mm-hmm. I call that denial. Yeah, uh, they say that that oh, crime isn't important because it's up everywhere, and Zeldin is disingenuously blaming her for uh, for it, even though that uh, she ended cash bail and other laws might have prevented to stop crime. And I think we talked about that last time. But uh, yeah, uh, so and, basically, and one of the latest just, things. Uh, that- I've I've heard um, them say uh, lately. What is it? Was it Eric Adams that was you know he, he mm-hmm. and her are like you know trying to like tag team calming people down? I guess. Yeah, yeah. One of the most pathetic, uh, horrible excuses I've heard is how well statistically it's not that bad. When when they, they say like think about all the people who ride the subway a day. Big deal if six of them are pushed into the track or there's you know six incidents in a subway. Uh, you know. Compared to all of them. And so that's an interesting argument because I can tell you that, like, I would make that argument myself mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, for instance, um, uh, police encounter issues. Now, yeah. there are millions of encounters by officers and people annually. Right. Of them, very few end up in some incident of, mm-hmm. of violence or in anything. And so, you know, when you look at that you know, that, that's a way to explain that away. But, yeah. you know, you still you have to dig into those smaller issues when there is a problem and hold that officer to account or, you know, whatever it might be, that incident. Oh, of course. You know, but th- that's what they're trying to say. Like, well, uh, you know, it can't, it, it's it's not that much. It's, it is far worse. 
I don't recall a time. And I mean, you know, when when you when they're interviewing New Yorkers on the streets, they're like, "Yeah, I just I don't take the subway. I don't go yeah. out at night. I stand against the wall to make sure nobody pushes me." You know, the, the things yeah, that yeah. people are doing to to live in this crime situation, this is a problem. Right. It's just pathetic right. the way they're trying to explain it away. I mean, you know, and even I was in, I was just on vacation um, last week and I was in a jewelry store talking to this lady and she tried that excuse on me because we were talking <laughs> and she mentioned that she was about ready to head up to New York and I told her how I personally wouldn't go to New York for anything. And then we talked about it and I said, I do wonder sometimes, am I believing too much of what I'm hearing, you know, from my news sources? But yet I know that a lot of people are still visiting New York is it really that bad? And she said, I've been thinking the same thing. And then, and then she regurgitated that same talking point. So I'm like, okay, so what news do you watch? Let me, I'm, you know, putting it together in my head. But by the end of our five minute conversation, she was agreeing with me that there's yeah. a crime problem. But, you know, anyway. Yeah. So basically, uh, it's, it's not all that bad. When you get pushed into the subway, then just, you know, rub some dirt on it, walk it off, you know, quit your <laughs> whining about, uh, yeah, wa- quit your whining about all this crime already. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. Yeah, whining babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. basically what, what I hear when uh, when they talk about this this kind of stuff. And the Democrats are complaining that uh, that Lee Zeldin has been campaigningly, campaigning heavily everywhere across the state, including New York City, which apparently you're, sh- you're, you're, you shouldn't be doing that. And, uh, uh, she seems to be relying on media appearances and a few campaign stops, which is what Andrew Cuomo did when he was co- campaigning. Uh, but she doesn't have the same influence or recognition that he did. So Sounds a lot like that uh, same old basement campaign strategy, you know? Like, uh, you well, know, she, you know, so that, again, uh, like, that's the thing. The Democrats rely on the media to just carry water for them. And it's funny because they, they talk about us, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that we will continue to point out... Um, irregularities or issues or whatever then then they attack us and say oh you're just holding on to the big lie you know or, yeah. or whatever it might be like that, that that's not the case then when you point out you know what they're doing there's just you know total blind eye there uh, that's right. that's definitely what the media does they cover up what the democrat party does wrong you know they 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 lie to to cover up anything that you know uh all of the politically incorrect things that they do that they lie about or they, they don't <laughs> yeah. want to see the light of day you know and that's another thing zeldin campaigning everywhere that's the same way that um that glenn youngkin had such success it's it's the right. same reason that right. um uh tudor dixon is is having the success closing the gap in michigan that she is and it, it's right. because these people are reaching out Everybody, and that's what the Republican Party yep. needs to do, and that and, and that and is largely w- what we have done over the years. That's why the Hispanic vote is increasing so much to Republicans. We're going mm-hmm. to everywhere, and that's what we need to do. We need to not assume that some people don't want to hear our message. So good right. for good for them, you know. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, the Democrats find that to be an issue that uh, that he's just out campaigning everybody. How dare you let people know what you're all about and talk about real issues that matter to them? Uh, the nerve. Yeah. Uh, and so just a brief wrap up of the uh, of all the House races right now. It's um, uh, 173 Democrat that are either safe or or assured um, or likely 225 Republicans that are that are either uh, safe or likely and 37 mm-hmm. toss ups. So it is pretty close um, in the Senate. There's 46 Democrats. 
who were uh, safe or likely, 48 Republicans who are safe or likely, and six toss-ups. And mm-hmm. and those ones that are safe or likely include the ones that are not up for election this time, since, um, since the Senate is elected every six years. Mm-hmm. And for governors, uh, there's uh, 14 Democrats either safe or likely, 24 Republicans who are safe or likely, and 12 toss-ups. And of course, it's the same thing. Not all governors are up for election this time, so... Uh, the, um, the safer likely ones are the ones who are also include the ones who are, who are not up for election. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's, that's about where it stands. So it, it's going to be a pretty close election this time. Yep. And so I just, you know, would encourage everyone to vote, obviously, because it's going to be so close. Everybody needs to make sure their voice is heard. And, and uh, you know, to me, it just it kills me to know that it is going to be so close because mm-hmm. I feel like what that means is there's a lot of uninformed voters because I, I, I can't imagine that it would be close if people really were informed and understood what was happening and, and really had a grasp on some of the nefarious, malicious actions that people have taken uh, the 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 you know the the lying the manipulation everything we've talked about in this episode and that's why you know we took on this project trying to bring to light and and kind of peel back the veil help people see some of the bad stuff that that the democrats are involved in these days yeah you know um to talk about the the crazy push to socialism to talk about the the sympathizing with china talking about you know the democrats kind of making us less safe uh at home less safe abroad you know the the world is less safe because of what's happening now and it's it's happening because there are some there, there are bad people in power now. Mm-hmm. If we don't elect leaders who are willing to fight against and expose those bad actors and those bad people in power that are doing this to us, then I do fear that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna turn a corner and there's not gonna be any coming back. So yep. that's the that's why this is so important. And I just I hope that some of what we have done leading up to this, whether it be with this project or just talking to people does have some impact. And, and I hope that people have looked into things on their own um, to understand, like, you know what, I need to make a different kind of choice this time. Maybe maybe this is going to be the first time that I ever don't vote for a Democrat in my life. I know mm-hmm. what that felt like for me the first time I didn't do it because I'd been, you know, brought up for years, listening to the media for years, you know, my public school for years, my, you know, uh, my, my, you know, the, the the different communities that I was involved in and all of us just kind of like, you know, rubber stamping the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Because that's just the way it was. And, and, and truly, I don't think, I know I didn't understand a lot of the times what exactly I was voting for. I can admit that right. about me. So I hope that if other people are starting to see that about themselves, like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that casting my vote for that particular candidate meant that I was supporting all this crazy stuff that they want to do. I'm not into that. I just voted for him because that's who I vote for, you know? So I just hope that doesn't happen again because it's too important this time. And I think that there's been enough evidence that has come out to show you that they're, they, they, the Democrat party is infiltrated at this point by radicals. Um, You know, the, 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 the party is being led by its most extreme wing. Mm -hmm. So as you said before, if we don't make a change to the direction of the country with this election, you know, we might not be talking about very much 
in 2024 because we might not have very many options at that point. Because it's, you can already uh, see what they've jammed into play and what they've you know jammed into policy in just this amount of time that Joe Biden's been in office. How much more can they do if they continue to have this free reign, um, you know, one party rule for another two years? I can't even imagine that. Everyone says that this might be the uh, most consequential election of all time. It, you know, every every time I've ever voted, that's always been the thing. But uh, but this just might be it. Yep. So, as we always say, you know, the government is best when it's small. Seems like we've got a long way to go to shrink our government. And, you know, we'll see if that can ever even happen. But let's at least try to put people in positions that will support that. Bring us back to what our founders really expected. Bring us back to the constitutional republic that we are. And, you know, keep us safe and help us thrive again. 